0: your copy of the word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Proverbs. The Old Testament book of Proverbs and Proverbs chapter 14. The book of Proverbs and chapter number 14. This year, we're placing a great emphasis on wisdom. And all of the books and all the series that we've studied have an emphasis on wisdom. And now as we're finishing up this year, we're finishing up in the book of Proverbs. And of course, the book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. And because the book of Proverbs addresses so many different issues, we are taking like a shotgun method of having this issue and this problem and this thing and this wisdom and this thing brought up. And so it's not necessarily related except for the idea of wisdom, but yet we need all of these topics, all of these things that are presented to us because we need wisdom. Now we come to a practical bit of wisdom in the book of Proverbs in chapter number 14. The book of Proverbs chapter number 14, and notice with me in verse number four. The book of Proverbs chapter 14 in verse number four, notice this, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is by the strength of the ox. Now with this, we want to put together a principle found in this verse. So if you're in the habit of writing things down, let me restate the principle in a summarized form that we find in this verse. The principle is keep the ox clean the crib. Keep the ox, clean the crib. And we're going to use that principle as the title here to keep the ox, clean the crib. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And as we come up to you today, we're just asking that you would give us grace and mercy, that you would help us to have an understanding of this passage and that we could apply it to our lives, to the ministry, to the things that you would have us to do, that we can succeed and that make a decision to have that increase that you promised us and that you give us as a matter of principle and a matter of wisdom. Lord, fill me with your precious spirit that I'm not dependent upon myself, my knowledge, my study that it's what you want these good folks to have, that it could be a direct help to where they're at. They'd make decisions to move forward for you and understand this principle in a special way. Thank you, Lord, that we could trust you and get your own work accomplished through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Proverbs 14, verse 4, just a single verse, and yet there is such a profound truth. A preacher once said, that profundity is often wrapped up in simplicity. What does that mean? That sometimes the most profound truths are found in the most simple statements. This is a simple statement, a simple principle. And yet there is such a wealth of profound truth found in this, a simple idea. And yet a profound truth that could affect every area of our life. What is this profound truth? Well, notice it says in verse 4, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. But much increase is given by the strength of the ox. Notice here's the end of it. Remember in the book of Proverbs there's often comparisons and some of these comparisons use the word but. So it's giving a statement and then it gives the opposite of it. Here the opposite of it, it says there is an increase by the strength of the ox. Much increase only comes from the strength of an ox. Now, let's go back to agricultural society. And in agricultural society, they would often use oxen to go ahead and help with the labor. If you could imagine being in an agricultural society where you didn't have any farming implements, you didn't have the cotton gin, you didn't have any tractors, you didn't have any plows, uh, mechanical plows, you had to do things yourself. And so if you were all by yourself with no oxen and had to plow a field, imagine imagine how much work that would take. You had to plow a field, turn it over, turn over the fallow ground to plant the seed, to weed the seed, to harvest. That is a lot of work to do. So in order to make the job easier, you would get something that had power, like an oxen. Then you could, with that oxen, you could take and harness it up and help turn over the fallow ground with an oxen. You can harness up a plow and plow the row straight with an oxen. You could help kind of tread the corn to be able to harvest the corn, to get everything up there. That oxen would go ahead and give you a lot more strength to do. However, with this, you had to take care of the oxen. There was principles here and we must decide If having the ox is worth the cleaning and the work we have to do in order to have that ox. With that backdrop in mind, let's kind of dive in. First of all, the principle we must learn. A principle we must learn. Here it says, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. What's a crib? A crib is the place where the oxen is kept. It also deals with what an oxen produces. All right? And so we're going to use farming tools and, let's, and farming terminology. So for those of you who are city slickers and have not grown up in a farm, we'll just kind of give you an illustration. When you keep a, a live animal, a live animal has to be taken care of. You have to feed the thing. And if you feed the thing, it has to get rid of waste. And because it hasn't been potty trained, it just goes wherever it goes, which happens to be the crib, the place where it is kept. So in this crib, you feed it, and because they haven't been taught table manners, food goes everywhere. And then afterwards, they just defecate where they're at, and you can't just allow that to build up over time. You can't just allow it just to kind of get higher and higher. Someone's got to clean it. And may I say, nobody wants that job. That's the problem. Nobody wants wants that job. If we're going to be honest, nobody's saying my dream of my life when I grow up is to be a stable boy. And I can't wait for all of my day to have a shovel, to be going there and cleaning up everything that's left over, to go home with the smell, to be just learn how to uh, walk and especially in the rainy days and not lose my boots and to, to, that's my dream of my life. That's my dream job. We understand that's not a job that people want to do. But if you want an ox, someone has to do the job. Someone has to deal with what the oxen produces. Now, if there's no oxen, the crib is clean. Nothing has to be repaired. Nothing has to be fixed. You don't have to worry about that part of the oxen if you don't have an ox. But you also don't have that strength that comes from that ox. Nobody wants to be responsible for the oxen, but everyone wants the increase. So how does that apply to us? Well, it applies in several different principles. Let's take one. When a baby is born, and you look at that baby and say, this baby is going to be a good baby. And you go ahead and have the baby, but you don't do the work to raise the kid, you're not going to come up with a good kid. It takes work, but I don't want to do the work. Nobody wants to do the work, but it is necessary work if you want the result. If you don't want to do the work, then don't have the kid. But if you have the kid, you have to take responsible to clean up the mess whether it's literal mess when you're changing the diapers or taking the time to discipline him. It takes work. So many people think that they don't have to do anything and their kids are going to turn out great. It doesn't work that way. Pastor Sexton, who we'd mentioned before, said that he had took a bunch of college kids to a different country And during that country, uh, the college kids were all dressed nice. They were sitting down and had good manners. They prayed before their meal. And a lady from across the restaurant shouted, where did you find them? As if they were aliens or something. Where did you find them? And the way that she was saying it, it it was a compliment, but she was so amazed. She had been watching teenagers pray before their meal, not fight, sit with manners, Uh, And just do well inside of a different country. Where did you get them? As if, you know, I just found them somewhere. And Pastor Sexton said, listen. They come from parents who put the work into them. Each one of them is representation of hard work. That's where they came from. Hard work. Well, in order... To do, have that result, you have to clean the crib. Here's the principle that we find here, that if you want the kid who is well-behaved, you have to put in the work. Let's try a different principle. Some people believe that if you have a Mrs. Wright who finds a Mr. Wright, that they're going to be married and everything's going to be happy for the rest of their lives. So often Mr. Wright and Mrs. Wright get together and they come up with a horrible wrong. Why? Because there's work that has to be put into a marriage. No marriage goes without work. Every marriage is work. And if you're not willing to put in the work for a marriage, you will not have a good marriage. But I don't want to deal with her sometimes. Clean the crib. You have to do the work in order to have the result. There is no such thing as we're twiddle-painted in love and we're always going to get along and there's never going to be any issues. I'm sorry, buttercup. It doesn't work that way. If you want the marriage, it requires work. And it's not fun work at times, but it's work that has to be done. That if you want the increase you also have to clean the crib. You have to do the work, the non-fun work, the non-glamorous work, the dirty work. We take that to ministry. Inside of ministry, just as a practicality, that in order to have a church service like this, there's prep work that had to be done. Quite simply, taking the idea of cleaning toilets. Someone has to make sure the bathrooms are clean before the people come in. You can't just say, well, you know, they'll take care of themselves. It has to be done. Someone has to do it. I, again, forgive me, I've been listening to a lot of Pastor Sexton as I've been uh, thinking about him and praying for him. But he said in Crown College, they had over 250 toilets and he stopped counting. It's a lot of toilets. Someone has to clean them before each service. Someone has to clean them before the college kids have classes. Someone has to mow the lawn. Someone has to wash the windows. Someone has, there's work that has to be done. And yes, washing toilets is not glamorous. Nobody says, you know what? What I want to do for a living is scrub toilets. That's my dream. I just want to be so close but it's a job that has to be done. You can't just do what's fun in life. You have to get down and do the work that nobody wants to do in order to have the increase. Let's apply it more into ministry. If we're going to have the increase, we have to be able to deal with different problems that come up. And we'll cover that in a second. But there is... the work has to be done. It is a principle that you have that if you want the increase, if you want the end result, again, I'm at the place where it just baffles me where people want the instant results and they don't want to put in the work. People want to have the Bible knowledge that I have and don't want to put in the work. If you could forgive another illustration. After World War II, the Prime Minister of England, Winston Churchill, was curious about what the Bible had to say about Russia. He was very much concerned about the Russian threat. And so he brought in a preacher by the name of Harold St. James, who was one of the premier preachers of his day in England. So Winston Churchill had an appointment set with him in the morning, and he listened to him. And at lunchtime, he poked his head out and told his secretary, listen, cancel the rest of my appointments for the the rest of the day. And the uh, secretary said, but you have a dignitary. You have a king from Africa. You have this. He says, none of that. Recancel it. I have to hear this guy. And so they continued to talk all the way up to midnight. About midnight, Winston Churchill looked at him and said, man, I'd give half of the kingdom to have the Bible knowledge that you have. Harold St. James looked at Winston Churchill and said, listen, I gave up the entire world to have the Bible knowledge that I have. He put in the work. You can't just have a mastery of the Bible without putting in the work. You can't be a good Christian without putting in the work. There is no such thing as a magic wand or instant results. People are at the place where they want instant results. But the principle is is that we have to be able to put in the work. That's the principle clean the crib. If we want the end result, we have to be able to do the work, even the work nobody wants to do. With this, we see that there's a purpose to be fulfilled. There's a purpose to be fulfilled. Think about this. Someone owns the ox. Because they own the ox... They have a responsibility to take care of the ox. Why do they own the ox? Because there's a job they wanted the ox to do. There is a purpose to be perf- to fulfilled. To get the job done, there's work that has to be done. There's a purpose. What is the purpose? My purpose is to have children that are raised for the Lord. That's a great purpose. Then I need to be able to do the work to have that purpose. My purpose is to have a great marriage. Wonderful. But you have to put in the work to fulfill that purpose. Our purpose is to reach more people for the Lord. That is a great purpose. But what are you going to do to fulfill that purpose? We need to organize our efforts. We have to work. There is a purpose to be done. If our purpose is to reach people for the Lord, then we understand that there is work we have to do in order to reach them. There is groundwork that has to be laid. I believe personally that God has designed me and put me here to train men and women for the ministry. Well, because we're at a young church, we are not prepared to start a Bible Institute where we are right now. But in order to get to that place, we have to put some things in order and do the work to be able to do that one day. But there's work that has to be done, and we can't slack off on it. There's a purpose, and we're looking at the purpose. What is the purpose? If I understand there's a reason to why to clean toilets, then it's not that big of a burden to clean the toilets. If I understand that there's a result to raising my kids, I want to raise them up, then doing the work to discipline them is less unbearable because I'm trying to get to the end result. If I want a wonderful marriage, I have to be willing to put in the work. If we want the things for the ministry, we there's a purpose. We understand if I know what the purpose is, we're willing to do the hard things. That's one of the problems with churches today is that they don't have anything to accomplish, so therefore they're not willing to put in the work to do such a thing. There's no purpose. Why have a nice church building? Is it just to be a museum? Think about this. Out of all the churches that are in our local area, we're one of the few ones that are having a service right now. Why? Because it's not worth it to them. It's not worth it. It's too much work to have another service. Well, people don't show up. People don't want it. People whatever else. Well, then why do, you know, and they said, why do it? But there's a purpose to be fulfilled. We're willing to have nobody show up on Wednesday nights in order to get to our end goal to build up people and to work with people. We have to be willing to put in the work, but what is the purpose? May I remind you that every single one of you have a purpose in your life given from God. Look with me, Philippians chapter one. Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. Philippians chapter two. And notice with me in verse 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have Always obeyed, not in my presence only, but much more in my salvation, or my absence. Notice this phrase, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now the end of verse 12, it's not saying, well, I got to be serious about this. Am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I, that's not what it's speaking about. What it's saying of working out your own salvation is this idea. Why did God save you? Find out the reason why you are saved with fear and trembling. Why? Because this is a serious thing. Every single one of you, there is a reason why God saved you. There is a purpose for you. What is that purpose? When you find that purpose, then you will and make God your goal, then you'll find that doing those other tasks to get there are not as burdensome. They understand those are things I have to do in order to get to the end result. There is a reason why God saved you, and there is a purpose for your life. And when you find that purpose, you're willing to do the work. As we go on, we still studying this principle some more. We see this. There are problems to be encountered. There are problems to be encountered. What are the problems? Well, Cleaning that crib. That's a lot of problems. Cleaning that crib, but not only that, repairing the crib. Cows break things. Kids break things. People make messes. Those are problems. And you have to understand going into there, you're going to have problems. There is no painless way to serve the Lord. There is no easy way to follow the Lord. Understanding there's a purpose to have. And if I'm going to have that purpose, there are going to be problems that have to be repaired. For example, in order to maintain a church, we have a church building that's 150 years old. As much as I would like to focus on other things, this building falls apart from time to time. And it needs duct tape. It needs some care. It needs special offerings. It needs other stuff. And we're thankful for what God has done this year. But those are things that have to be dealt with. Those are problems. When the outside has the uh, (laughs) wood that's all liquefied inside, it's being held together by chicken wire, that's a problem, And it's not one that we could just ignore. Oh, well, let's just patch you back up. It has to be fixed. It has to be done. We would have preferred to do something else. But we encounter problems. We don't lose our mind. We don't say, oh, why does God hate me? It's a problem. It's part of having an old building. We have to do repairs. You know, simple stuff. For example, a lot of people don't notice because my wife does a good job, but we have hymn books that walk away all the time. Now, we've given hymn books to our church folks, but they still walk away all the time, and we just replace them. Now, we can make a big deal. Whoever's stealing hymn books, let me tell you, God's going to be after you. And we could just melt down and make a big deal out of it, or we could just replace it knowing that people are people and just keep going we have problems just understand they're going to do that people are going to spill things on these now we tell people not to bring coffee in here but you know what people ignore us and they have spills spills are going to happen we don't lose our mind because someone made a spill we're just going to clean the crib we're just going to keep going we're not going to let that be a thing when you deal with people, you're going to have problems. Why? That's the very nature of people. They have problems. Everybody who comes through that door has problems. Amen. Everybody who comes to that door for the first time is coming in here because they have problems. We just have to deal with it. We're just going to work with them. We're going to love on them. There's not a single perfect person who will ever walk through those doors. Amen. And so they're going to have issues and that we're going to deal with. For those of you who are discipling others, if you haven't figured out already, your disciple has problems. And you're not going to sigh every time you see the phone ring. Oh, please. You understand that it's part of the job. I'm going to try to do my best to be a help because I'm investing in them. I have a purpose. I have a goal to see them walk after the Lord. And if I have to listen to a stupid question, or if I have to listen to some crying for a little bit, I'm going to do it. That's part of the job. You're dealing with people. People have problems. And we're going to be glad to help them out, trying to get to the purpose. We're cleaning the crib. Somebody said, uh, pastoring is summarized in two words, pacifiers and diapers. Yeah. You get them a pacifier, there, there. And then you clean up after them and change their mess. Well, I don't like to change diapers. Then don't pastor. Don't work with people. Because people make messes all the time. You have to change the diaper. I mean, we've learned when the Pampers box says that it only holds up to 35 pounds. They're not kidding. You have to change it every couple days. <laughs> it's just part of the job. There's problems that are going to be encountered, but there's no easy way to serve God. There's nothing with working with people that's ever going to be easy. So what's the answer? To kill the ox and never have to clean the crib again? What's the answer? To uh, never have a problem again, close everything down? Oftentimes people and churches say they found a better way, but they're Easier, better way is often just to stop the work. Amen. We found an easier way is to raise kids, never discipline them. It's not a better way, you're not putting in the work. Churches go down to one meeting a week so they don't have to deal with the cleanup. They have one meeting a week because they don't want to have to do with other things. Or they try to do something that smacks of the world in order to attract the people rather than doing it the way that God said. But my way is easier. But that's not the way that God said to do it. I knew a church that every time people came to church that were not a member, they gave them $20. You can't sustain that too long. I mean, and thousands of people came. That's a lot. I mean... What happens when the runny runs out? They stop coming. See, they weren't coming because of the Lord. They were coming because $20. I was considering going. (laughs) People, when they come up with an easier way, it's not the best way. They're trying to avoid the work that's required to do it right. Often trying to clean the crib requires us to go against grain and popular opinion in order to do it God's way to do the work and find the ridicule to go in there and find us when we're actually doing the work and doing the labor and like, why are you doing that? Just leave it. Can't leave it. It's got to be done. It's got to go work. We've got to do the work. We've got to repair the fences. We've got to do the other things. Turn with me if you don't mind to first Corinthians. Such an important principle. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Of course, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the Corinthian church. And at this time, in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul is writing from Ephesus. And Ephesus has been going well, but now there are people that are getting ready to toss out Paul. They're getting ready to have that big meeting at the Temple of Diana where they're going to try to kill Paul. And Paul understands the rumblings. he understands where the people are at, and so he hears that rumbling as he's dealing with these <laughs> baby Christians who won't grow up at Corinth. But notice what the Apostle Paul says about this, 1 Corinthians chapter nine and verse 16. 1 Corinthians 9:16, "For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of." For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. If you've never done this before, underline the word necessity is laid upon me. Necessity is laid upon me. He says, this is necessary. I can't get away with it. I must Preach the gospel. This is my purpose. Necessity is laid upon me. God has given me something to do and I have to get it accomplished. I have to preach the gospel. No matter what the consequences. People are telling Paul, Paul, man, why are you still there? You need to get out of town. They're going to kill you. I can't. I can't. God has given me a purpose and I have to stay here to fulfill that purpose. Necessity is laid upon me. Notice, if you don't mind, 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. Notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse number 8. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 8. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost. For a great door... An effectual is opened unto me, and there are many adversaries. So notice this statement. He says, I'm going to stay here at Ephesus because a great door and effectual is open to me. God has opened a great door and effectual. I'm being effective, open door, I'm staying here. But notice the next word. The word is and. If you haven't underlined that word, underline that word. Notice it doesn't say but. He says And. He says, with the great door, with the effectual, there is many adversaries. He didn't say, but there are adversaries. That word, but would carry the idea that they're getting in the way of the great door and effectual. He says, because there's an open door and effectual and there's... Adversaries, they go together. We should never give up because of our problems. Because those problems are there to help us. God has given to us to have that open door. Amen. We're going to have problems. There is no easy way to serve the Lord. It's not these adversaries are in the way. These adversaries are there to help us as we're trusting the Lord and to get the work done. For many Christians, the great enemy they face is getting involved in good things. And Christians get involved with good things and neglect that great purpose that God has given them to do. They have the good that is the enemy of the best. The best is finding God's will for their life and accomplishing it. Whereas so many Christians settle in something good. I'd hate to have done something good in my life and find out at the judgment seat that that's not what God had given me to do. That I succeeded in something that was against God's will. I failed because I succeeded in something good. Finding God's will, finding the great purpose Understanding that with that purpose there's going to be problems, there's going to be adversaries, there's going to be enemies. I need to find out what is that purpose, what has God given me to do. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 talking to them and addressing Mr. Fool because the Corinthians thought they were all super spiritual and they thought they were great. And part of it is because they never suffered anything. Now, may I also remind you that second Corinthians is given at the middle of Paul's ministry, not the end of Paul's ministry. This is going to be important because he's going to give a list of all the things that have happened to him. And this is in the middle, not the end. He's got a lot more still to go through. And in this, he's speaking. He says, I'm speaking as a fool. You want to brag about who is more used of God? Who has gone through more? You and your rich houses and happy things and just thinking you're all great and super spiritual and you haven't suffered anything. He says, you want to speak as a fool? He says, all right, fine. Here, I'll speak as a fool. Verse number 23, are they ministers of Christ? Meaning these super spiritual uh, Corinthians who are trying to tell the apostle Paul that he's not really an apostle. You're not my apostle. So he says, all right, fine. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes. He says, if you want to have a bragging contest, let's go down right now. I'll speak as a fool because my hope is not in all the things I've suffered. But if you want to have a contest about who's suffered more and who's used it more and who's gone through more, how about this? I, the more labors more abundant and stripes above measured and prisons more frequent and death oft of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes save one thrice. I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned thrice three times. I suffered shipwreck a night and a day. I've been in the deep and the journeys offering and perils of water and perils of robbers and perils by my own countrymen and perils by the heathen and perils in the city and perils of the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren and weariness and painfulness and watchings often and hunger and thirst and fastings often in cold and nakedness. beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches." He says, listen, you want to speak as a fool? How about we just give a listing of all the stuff I've gone through? He says, you want to know about problems? And again, this is halfway through his ministry. He's got half ways to go. He says, you want to talk about problems? uh, Stack them up compared to me. He says, listen, I'm speaking as a fool because we're not stupid to compare problems. But if you want to consider yourself super spiritual, how much have you suffered? How much have you dealt with? Now, as we look at what we're talking about, problems going to be engaged. None of you super spiritual Christians have gone through what Paul's gone through, Amen. Amen. and Paul didn't quit. And you're whining about I have to go clean a toilet. <laughs> you're whining. It's just too hard to go wake up for Sunday school. Oh, what great problems you have! Oh, you're suffering for Jesus. Problems are going to happen. Remember, the true measure of a man is not what he accomplishes, but what does it take to stop him? If you have a purpose in life and God has given you something, what's going to stop you from getting that accomplished? I don't feel good today. I, I, I I just don't feel like going. I... I just couldn't read my Bible today. Oh, great problems that you have. Listen, those problems go away when you keep put your eyes on the Lord. Say he's given me something and I understand I'm going to have problems and I'm not going to let problems stop me. I'm going to go forward. Understanding that a great door has been open and effectual and there are great adversaries. Those adversaries, there's no easy way to serve the Lord. There's no easy way to serve the Lord. Problems are going to be encountered. Which brings me one last principle here. There's a price to pay. There's a price to pay. The price is to roll up your sleeves and clean the crib. Roll up your sleeves and say, well, it's work has to be done. Let's get it done. You don't pass it off. It's got to be done someone's got to do it. Let's, if we're going to get what the ox has, the strength of it, just do the work, get it done. Weak people are always running from their problems. Weak people are always running from their problems. I don't want to do the work. It's too hard. And they run away from the problems. Those are weak people. You know, sometimes cleaning up things don't require hard work. It requires heart work. Mm -hmm. Meaning your heart needs to be right in order to do the job. All right. Is it hard to clean a toilet? No. But it does require your heart to be right. Is your heart right? It is a heart problem a lot of the things that we have is not hard. Is your heart right? There is a price to pay just to get it done. So with that, do you want what God has given for this church to do? then we understand there's a price to be paid. There's going to be hard times. There are things that fall apart. There are going to be things that we have to deal with. There are messes we're going to have to clean, but that's part of it. And raising children, if you want the end result, there's hard work. Just have your heart right and get the job done. To have the marriage you ought to have. Just have the heart and do the work. Have the heart right in order to get accomplished what God has given you to do, there are going to be times that you're not going to want to do it. But have the heart right and you could do it. That's the principle here. If we want the end result, there's work that has to be done. Or we could be like everyone else and kill the ox. Have nothing to clean up. Get to the place where us four no more. We don't want to grow the church up because we're going to have problems. We like who we have. I know churches like that. I know churches nearby that, like, that are like that. We don't want any more people because we don't want any more problems. Okay. There's a price to pay. Are you willing to pay it? Or are you at the place where you complain and moan and do everything you can but do the work? clean the crib, keep the ox. Let's have the strength that comes from the ox. Let's accomplish the purpose that is needed with the strength and understand we've got to clean up the problems, deal with the problems, but the problems are not going to be an issue. We're just going to get it done.